leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. Here's our pastor, Dr. Larry LeBlanc. What a blessing it is that the Lord has graced us to be able to sing His praise and rejoice in Him. I'm so thankful that you're here tonight. Merry Christmas. I share with my family every year, this is one of my absolute favorite times. It's amazing to think about that when we join together as family, so many of you have got so many traditions, you've probably got dinners tonight and you're excited about what tomorrow is going to bring and going and doing. I've gotten to where over the past 20 years of my life, this is one of the things that I look forward to maybe more than anything else that we do as a family, and that's being together with the family of God on Christmas Eve. There's something very special about the fact that I do have blood family that means the world to me, but I don't know, I can't express to you how much it means that you are my brothers and my sisters in Christ, and is that we join together to celebrate the Lord's birthday, that we really are family. And there's something incredibly powerful about that. There's something incredibly special about that. I'm excited you're here. If you brought your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, a passage that you are incredibly familiar with. Luke chapter 2. Tonight, we're just going to spend a few moments looking at verses 8 through 14 together as we walk through that. But as you take just a moment um, to focus on that passage, have any of you been to a gender reveal party? Are you familiar you're familiar with this concept? I went to the first one that I had ever been to about 15 years ago, and I went confused. And the reason I went confused, because I had to ask my wife, as far as I know, and I'm not extremely bright, but as far as I know, there's only one of two options that are going to take place with this. Now, there's all types of ways to do it. And some of you are incredibly creative. And, and don't think for a moment that, that I'm down on gender reveal parties. I don't care if you shoot confetti out of a cannon, if you want to cut a cake, if you want to have whatever it may be for you to have that gender reveal. I'm for it. But as to someone who had never been to this before, I had to ask her, I said, okay, so, so, so it's either going to be pink or it's going to be blue, right? That's the only two things that it can be, right? All right, so I'm, I'm good there. What is the proper reaction at a gender reveal party? Because if you've never YouTubed this, maybe you're up late tonight and you just want to see some interesting footage, YouTube people's reactions at gender reveal parties. Because if it's a girl and you want a girl, and you go crazy, that's wonderful. But it does communicate what would have happened had this been a boy. Or some of the craziest reactions. I watched one the other day. In fact, I watched it three or four times. I couldn't quit watching it. Because this man was evidently not prepared at all for the fact that he might have a daughter. And he shows up at this gender reveal party so convinced that he is going to have a son that when the confetti cannon goes off and it's pink, it goes everywhere, he loses his, he's 
furious. I mean, he loses his mind. And for all the world to see, and for the rest of this child's life, it will be documented that on this gender reveal, he was supremely disappointed to be having a daughter. So I wonder sometimes, what is the proper reaction? It's amazing that as we come, as we think about that holy night, that silent night, that there was a reveal that took place, but it was a far cry from what we see 2,000 years later. In fact, the way it was revealed and even to whom it was revealed is a strange story. Because you would have think that the king of the world, that that would have been revealed to the most important people in all of the world. That it would have been revealed to everyone at one time. That the chorus would have rung out over all the millions of people that covered the earth at that time. But that's not what we find. In fact, what we find is the only people that it was revealed to, besides the immediate family, was the lowest class of the low. A group of men that were assembled about six miles south of Jerusalem near a sheep pen who were shepherds. The absolute lowest class of profession that there was. In fact, if you'd have asked anyone, the Savior of the world is going to be born sometime over the next year, who do you think it would be revealed to? The last people that anyone would have guessed would have been shepherds. But not only was it revealed to them, but it was revealed to them in one of the most incredible ways that you could possibly imagine. Because when you open up to Luke chapter 2 and what we're going to read in just a moment, I want you to consider the Christmas story from a, maybe a different angle. So often, we certainly, and we've sung about it tonight, we think about what it must have been like for Mary. I can't imagine to have to go and tell people, hey, I'm 15 years old. I, I, I've, never been, uh, I, I've never been with a man. I'm not married yet, but I'm pregnant and it's God's kid. I can't imagine having to do that. I, I think about it from Joseph's standpoint. I can remember getting married. Can you imagine going around and telling everyone, hey, my wife's pregnant. It's not mine. It's God's. I can't imagine that. We, we look at it from the shepherd's standpoint and what that must have been like for them. So often, we focus on characters like the innkeeper who, who wasn't able to make room except for in, in that little stall. We focus on people like Simeon and Anna, and we think about what it must have been like for the wise men. But there's a group of people, or should I say beings, who oftentimes, I think, get overlooked in the story of Christmas. And it is the angelic hosts. Let me read to you what took place. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Let me ask you for just a moment. Do you find that to be a shocking reaction that the shepherds had? Immediately it says that they were so arrested with fear that the first announcement that came from the angel's mouth is what? Do not fear. I, I've, 
I've been thinking about this now for a couple of months, and it's caused me to delve into a study of angels. And in that study, I have found something that as you walk through Scripture is fascinating to me. If you walk through and study angelic appearances all throughout Scripture, the common denominator that you find when an angel encounters a human being is that almost exclusively the human being thinks that they're going to die. Almost every single time the word has to be from the angel before the message can be conveyed, he has to reassure the human being that the human being is not going to be killed. That is how majestic and holy and incredible the very sight of an angel is. And one of the reasons that I even take the time on your Christmas Eve to bring that up is I think that, that there's a, a, a false narrative that when it comes to angels, and much of that is because of Renaissance art. And because of that, we get pictures, and the pictures in our mind either look like, and, and just humor me because I, I think you will know what I'm talking about, the angels either look like flying fat babies, right? Little fat babies with wings. Or they look like, from artwork, some form of flowing white like they came out of a shampoo commercial. And you're looking at them wondering whether or not from the art, whether or not it's a man or a woman and it's glowing. And so you either have a fat cherub baby or you have a Pantene commercial. And out of these two things is where most people, when they think of angels, it's the picture that they get and nothing could be further from the truth. Because they were fierce and they were awesome and they were powerful. They're, they're beings that when Isaiah saw them, he said, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. They are awe-inspiring. And so these shepherds who never thought for a moment that they would be the ones visited, it says that not only were they visited by the angel that made the announcement, but if you read carefully, we find out something else took place. Verse 13, suddenly what? A great company of heavenly host. How many was that? I have no idea. Many scholars think it could have been every single angel that existed showed up in the heavenlies and they began to declare what they declare over and over and over again in worship. Glory to God. The reason that they were created. And so you need to know today in understanding just how powerful this passage is, let me update you, kind of get you to this point with, with the history of redemptive history and the history of creation, because some people think that angels are eternal beings in that they have always existed. But what we know is the Trinity is the only thing that has existed before the very foundations of time. So what we know about angels is that they were created. And so because they were created, we know that they must have been created because in the beginning there was what? Nothing. And God created everything. That includes angels. So somewhere between day one of creation and day six of creation, God created the heavenly host. Now what's so incredible about that 
is that after this creation takes place, what we know is sometime between Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 3, that a rebellion took place. Isaiah 14 records that rebellion. That we're talking about a rebellion before the Garden of Eden. That there was a rebellion in heaven. And what we know is that Lucifer, who we also know as Satan, challenged the Lord because he wanted to be God. And so the Bible tells us that he was cast out of heaven along with one third of all of the angels. Now exactly how many that is, I don't know because people have questions about demons as well. But I can tell you this, if in Revelation it says that 10,000 times 10,000 angels are going to circle the throne, we know that a myriad or a host of angels is an incredible number. And so what we know from this passage is that in the midst of the skies that they are erupting with the praise of God, glory to God on the highest on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests. So heaven breaks loose with this chorus representing the supreme reason for all that exists and the glory to God. And I was thinking about this moment because I've shared with you before, I love music. I keep thinking that maybe one Christmas I'm going to wake up and the Lord's going to have gifted me. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be able to do like what Eric did today and grab a guitar and sing, but I'm recognizing that in 44 years that hasn't happened and I think it's a pipe dream that's not coming true. But what I do know is this, is that they were created and as much as it is, do you ever have those moments in corporate worship? I had it twice today, both when we worshiped here this morning together and tonight, where it's like you're overcome by the power of singing praises to God. You're overcome by the words that you're expressing to the Lord because you were created for worship. And not only were you created for worship, but you're created for musical worship. Whether or not you have that talent or not, it's how it is to be expressed and how God is to be adored and how God is to be exalted. And so I was overcome even in this service tonight as I thought about as incredible as this is, as God has magnified that there is coming a day where all of us one day will be able to view a heavenly choir of 10,000 times 10,000 angelic hosts whose musical talent is absolutely so incredible that the walls will reverberate with the glory of God and it will echo throughout heaven with the goodness and grandeur of the King sung by beings that He created and He created for one purpose only, and that is to bring Him glory. And so all of these angels are assembled and they're assembled there in the heavenlies. And what we know is that they will be assembled again. They were assembled before God during Lucifer's rebellion. They were assembled in what we see here with the shepherds and the angels as we read this passage together. In Revelation 5, it tells us that 10,000 times 10,000 of them will be circling the throne. And at that moment, you know what they will exclaim. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. What we know is that angels find their highest joy in praising God. It was what they were created for and they serve as an example to us. We know that the Bible tells us that there is an archangel. Now we don't know a lot about that, but what we do know is that obviously God has put a rank with angels that there are angels that have higher ranks than other angels. And we are told that there is an archangel who will proclaim His coming. We are told that in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, Revelation 18, Revelation 19, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that an archangel is going to come and proclaim His coming. We are also told that when Christ returned, that angels are going to come with Him as a great army. Matthew 16, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
And in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1-3, through it is the angel that seizes the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bounds him for a thousand years and throws him into the pit. And by the way, Luke 15.10, it is that every angel of God rejoices over one sinner who repents. I told you that sometimes I'm overcome by the grace and the grandeur of God. I was studying this, and I stopped for just a moment in writing this message, and I, and I just took a moment and I bowed my head because I was overcome with this realization that there are 10,000 times 10,000 angels. They are innumerable and they are throughout the heavens and their supreme goal was to sing glory to God. But I'm 44 years old. And what that means? What that means is this, is that 35 years ago, it was in November, I was nine years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I couldn't help but think, how incredible it is that the angelic chorus erupted over my salvation. That the angelic chorus erupts over your salvation and the reason they erupt is this, is that I truly believe we are well within our bounds to say this, that the angels even should be jealous of those of us who can know the redemption of our God. Those of us who were made for salvation and made to know what it is to be born again and to have a life with Christ. And so friends, I would tell you that one day, not only will we join with every saint who has gone on before us, saints that have lived throughout the centuries and all around the world, but we will join with the heavenly chorus. And if not now, then I will sing in perfect harmony and I will exalt the Lord. And I truly believe that my song will be much like the song that was sung in Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest. And worthy is the Lamb to receive all honor and glory and power and praise because the real reason I was saved and the real reason that you were saved is not for just your benefit. The reason at its very core that you were saved is so that your salvation may bring glory to God. And so the reason that the angels praise God over my salvation is that it is one more added to the heavenly choir that could bow at the feet of Jesus and exclaim, thank you, thank you. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wealth and wisdom and honor and praise. Friends, I tell you that one of the greatest things that we have the opportunity to do is to praise the Lord Jesus. That's what you were made for. That's what you were created for. And so when you come to Christmas to celebrate the beauty of the incarnation, join with all of the heavenly host and exclaim tonight, glory to God in the highest. leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known.